0: for people ready to make the most of every opportunity. In the Race to Success, we're not all starting from the same place. Level the Pursuit seeks to fill in the gaps and provide accessible, bite-sized leadership lessons for anyone looking to improve their skills and prepare for the next step, whatever that might be. Today we're gonna talk about setting and achieving goals. It's really important to take some time and sit down and think about who you are and who you want to be, if you want to achieve your goals in life. That's not something that happens accidentally to most of us. In many ways in our country, education is a huge part of getting ahead if you define success as succeeding financially or as getting a a high-powered job or in kind of the conventional ways that people define success. If that's not how you define success, that's totally fine. Whatever it means to you, that's what you should go after but a lot of what we're gonna talk about today is fairly educationally based, but you can still use the techniques for setting your goals and and figuring out a timeline to achieve them. They still apply regardless of what that is. But I really feel like education is a good place to start because it is one of the most important things in how our country functions in trying to get ahead in, in business and industry. About 60 to 70 percent of high school graduates do go to college, but only 54 percent from high poverty and 58 percent from high minority schools are getting there. So there's definitely a divide from kind of across the board compared to uh, certain demographics and areas in our country. Additionally, when they get to college, 10 percent fewer low-income students actually return for their sophomore year. So there's something happening there where people are not able to continue in their program. Is it interest-based? Is it financial-based? There's a lot to that. There's no evidence that there that, that is achievement-based, so there has to be other things going on. Additionally, there is a separation between a two-year college and a four-year college in how that plays out and how we pursue that. If you look at the lowest 20% income-wise, about 42% of those students go to a two-year college, while only 13% of the highest quintile, the highest 20%, do. So there's a divide there as well. Now, is that because the jobs are better? Is that because it is more palatable? Is it because two-year colleges tend to be less expensive? Or is it because after two years you can go get a job and actually make money as opposed to going to four-year college and then maybe not even being employable at that point, maybe needing a graduate degree? So there's definitely a lot of things that go into that, but for students that come from a place where they require a little bit more financial support or they were they need to be making money a little bit faster. There are still ways to get that advanced degree to go on and to do that if that's what you want to do. The flip side, there's a lot of students that are kind of channeled toward a four-year degree and don't really give to your colleges a chance, but there's a lot of really interesting degrees out there and a lot of those industries are undermanned, they are looking for people. So when you look at what you want to accomplish, open your aperture, think about a lot of different things, because there's a lot of ways to do that. So how does that translate? If you do not finish high school, the average income in the United States is around $20,000 a year. If you go on to get a bachelor's degree, a four-year degree, then your income more than doubles, even if you control for racial and gender disparities in pay. If you go on to get a graduate degree, a master's degree or higher, it increases another 50%. So the more school you get in our country, the higher your income potential is, even when you control for racial and gender inequities. Now, clearly we have some systemic issues where wage parity needs to be pursued and there has to be a better way for doing that. But even in the system as it is right now, if you get more school, there's an opportunity to make more money and take care of your family. And if money is not your, your priority, I totally understand it tends to be one of the things we equate with success but certainly success is something that you have to define for yourself a lot of us want to make enough money to make sure that we don't have to do without the things we did as a child or not have our own children do without things that we didn't have and also to take care of our parents or our family members so there's a lot that goes into it. it's just not about being able to you know have nice clothes and drive a nice car although there's, there's nothing wrong with those things as well there's a misconception though that who goes to college and why people go or or don't go is about a willingness to do hard work and it's not about a willingness to do hard work certainly there are people that choose not to do it because they don't want to do hard work absolutely you know that that's part of a free country is getting to choose that but for the most part people will do the work it's about opportunity it's about understanding it's about knowing what's out there 49 percent of students would uh, qualify for a Pell Grant which is a need-based grant to help you go to college but 2.3 billion dollars in financial aid was unclaimed in 2019 so there's people that are not seeing that now is that because they choose not to apply is it because they don't know that it's out there if you've ever done any of those forms they can be really really difficult there are tons of paperwork if you have members of your family your guardian or your parents that have to fill out a lot of those forms if they're not comfortable reading English and if the form is not available in English, now I don't know, some of the forms probably are available in other languages, but if it's not the language that your parents speak, then that doesn't really help you. So there are other things about that, but you have to figure out what your goals all are and then define them and define your obstacles in a way that makes them achievable. You can't decide to be a lawyer without figuring out how to get through college and take the LSAT and get into law school. You can't be a professional artist without learning how to draw. Now, there are probably people out there who are amazing and don't need any training to do these types of things. If you're amazingly good at something, then good on you and I wish you the absolute best. But most of us actually do, even with natural ability, do have to get some training, we do have to get some education, we do have to check some of those boxes to make us more attractive in our chosen fields. So. We're not talking about dreams here. Dreams are super important because they give you vision, they give you something to shoot for. But a dream is not a goal. A dream is kind of that eye in the sky, what can I do? A dream You could dream of being president of the United States, but that doesn't become a goal until you sit down and think, okay, what do I have to do to get there? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Over the next week, your challenge is going to be to create short and long-term goals, whether you're focused on Personal goals, professional goals, school, whatever it might be, whatever is important to you, I want you to sit down and think through what you want to accomplish in your life. So what makes a goal worth having? How do we decide what to do? How do we frame our objectives? And how do we f- go through and figure out what to do? All of those things are things we're going to talk about today to help you figure out what direction you want to go in and how is the best way to get there. Our goals can only be reached through a vehicle of a plan in which we must fervently believe and upon which we must vigorously act. There is no other route to success. That was Pablo Picasso and he was arguably pretty successful at what he did. But how do we decide what makes a goal worth having and how, whether or not it's worth us going after, spending our time, spending our energy trying to accomplish it? Well, the first thing you have to do is align to your purpose. Do you know what your purpose is? Many people don't. Many people have never sat down and thought about what their purpose is. So I challenge you to sit down and think about that. Who are you? And what do you want to be? What do you want to do? Now, it doesn't have to be specific. It doesn't have to be something that you've coned down into something that is very bite-sized and ready to go. It can be something as general as, I want to help people. I want to be financially secure enough to take care of my family. I want to be famous. I want to do something in music industry it doesn't have to be but you need to think about that and then you need to start thinking about things pay attention to things around you what things actually are involved or or are aligned with what you want to do then you need to take your goals and think is this a should or is this a want should versus want can be really difficult especially if you have family considerations or people that are important to you that want you to do something it becomes very easy to do what they want you to do in order to make them happy. But if you don't really want to do something, then it, you're not going to do it with the same energy and you're also not going to be as fulfilled in doing it. Now, you can absolutely do it. A lot of people go into the family business. Maybe it's not their their first choice to go into it, but the family wants it and, and it's easy and it's, or not, not easy, but it's, it's set up for them already. They don't have to coordinate it. And so it, it can be very tempting to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. If, if being involved with your family, if family is as important to you as what you do and so making your family happy is more important than how you do that each day, then that's amazing. That's wonderful. But if it's not, if, if there's something else that holds your heart that you want to accomplish, it can be really, really difficult to get that fulfillment and to give the energy and the time and the dedication to what you're doing. Now, if you're one of those people, so I, I'm a person where my job kind of defines me. What I do each day, I have to get fulfillment from that. I love my family. I'm blessed to have a great family, but I have to care about what I'm doing. If you're one of those people that can show up to work, knock it out, and go home and not even care what you did all day, then this is one that's a little bit easier for you. But if you're not, then you need to really give some time to that. Then you need to look at short-term versus long-term goals. And this can be really straightforward. Like finishing college as opposed to finishing this current class or something like that. But it also can be different. There are some jobs that, or some goals that you may actually want to stretch out over longer periods of time, or they may not be, you may not be able to do them all right now. There may be something that you say, This is really important to me. Say you want to finish your associate's degree and you also want to learn Spanish, but you're in classes right now and the classes are really challenging. Well, learning Spanish is. A really great goal but it may not be the best time for you so that may be while it's a short timeline for that goal it may be a longer-term goal for you to accomplish it because you may decide you know what I'm going to finish my degree first and then I will do that and you need to sit down and think about that because if you bite off uh, more than you can chew at any given time your motivation suffers your performance suffers and it's really easy to give up if you're trying to spread yourself in too many directions at one time next you need to think about the emotional investment in your goal So what does that mean? It it does have to do with how much you care about it, but it also has to do with how much emotional payback you get from accomplishing it. So if you want to be a doctor in order to say you're a doctor, then you're not necessarily going to get... I mean that's that's cool to be proud of but it doesn't necessarily fulfill you but if you want to be a doctor because you want the feeling that you get when you fix a patient and they are so grateful or when you know for me personally as an orthopedic surgeon if a person comes to me and their leg is broken and the bone's sticking out of the skin and it's just awful and they're having the worst day of their life and then i fix them and they come back into the clinic in a few weeks and they're walking when more like six weeks of the bone sticking out of the skin, but you, know, you get my point. That's amazing. That fulfillment is totally different than, I mean, it's cool to be able to say, yep, on North Peak surgeon when you shake someone's hand and see the look on their face. But that's not why I do it. I do it because the look on a little kid's face when they get their cast off and they get to walk and they're so excited. Like those are the things. So the emotional investment is, is more like how, what does it, how does it speak to you? How does it fit into your, who you see yourself as? How does it fit into who you want to be and the legacy you want to leave? And that may take you a little bit of time to think about that, but that's an important thing to come up with. And then you need to seek mentorship in the field that you're going, interested in going into. And so depending on where you are, the further you are from your ultimate goal, the less it matters how, how close your mentor is to the job you wanna do. And what I mean by that is, if say you wanna be a nurse and you have a family friend that's a doctor. So if you are a high school student or even a college student who maybe you're going to get study nursing after college, or it's not your current study, then having mentorship that's not in your field is actually is super useful. But if you're in nursing school, it'd be helpful to have some mentors that are actually nurses. Now that being said, mentors from all walks of life are really important. Mentors that are like you, are important and mentors that are different from you are important. So if you're a woman of color and you have you want to be a nurse and you have a family friend who's a banker but she is also a woman of color and she says I want to sit down and I want to talk to you about some of the experiences I've had being a woman of color in this profession and, and things that I've dealt with that I feel that are that are unique to us that I want to share with you That's super useful. That's not going to be not useful because she's not a nurse The flip side of that is if you have someone who's say it's a white dude, and he says, I want to sit down and I want to talk to you about my experiences, seeing things that have been navigated by my colleagues, by my superiors, by my, my subordinates. I want to help you because I've seen some pitfalls and I've seen some people do some really amazing things. And I want to share that with you so that you, if you get yourself in these situations, if you find yourself in these situations, you have the tools to succeed. Still really useful. Now, anytime anybody offers you advice, you should always listen every single time. What if they give you terrible advice? What if someone tells you something that you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they told me that. So that's still really useful. It's good to know that some of those opinions and thoughts are out there. So if someone tells you, you should not do this job because you are a woman or because you are too short or because you are this ethnicity or because you are gay or straight or any of those things, you should not do this job because this industry will not welcome you. You have to decide, number one, is this person someone that you want to listen to. Even if they're not, you should still listen because <laughs> those, it is good to know what opinions are out there. You can help to protect yourself by toughening up and, and learning to not let those things bother you. You can create responses to those and you can practice so that you are polished and calm in, in those situations when someone says something like that. And maybe this person is a minority in their, in their belief system. Maybe they're the only one that thinks that. It's still good to know because almost almost never is someone the only one that thinks that. So it's good to know what kind of perceptions you may have to deal with that industry. And so if it's terrible advice, you don't have to take it, but you can still file that away. If someone is knowledgeable in their field, no matter how stupid you think they are, no matter how frustrated you are with the things they tell you, if they are knowledgeable in their field, there's probably going to be a pearl in there somewhere. And so you just have to separate that from the judgment and the ugliness that may accompany what, accompany it and think about is this is there anything in here that i can use to make myself more prepared for these situations make myself tougher now should you have to be tougher no it would be nice if people actually were kind and treated people with respect all the time But as we all know, that's not going to be the case every situation you find yourself in. You're going to find yourself in situations where people do not treat you with respect. So it's good. It's nice if you already kind of have a response plan for that kind of thing and you know what to do. So then we have to sit down and we frame our objective. So how do you decide what you're actually going to do? Once you've decided on your goal, how do you get there and what are the in-betweens? So brainstorming is a really effective technique. So you sit down and you think of everything you can possibly think of. You can think of all sorts of different goals, everything you write it down. There's no when you're brainstorming there are no dumb answers, there are no stupid questions, there are no everything is worthwhile. And then you sit down and you evaluate each one and see okay, which ones go together, which ones are actually probably components of of the other aspects that I'm looking at. You know, one thing to think about is some of them may build on one another. There may be associate's degrees that go into bachelor's degrees, or there may be uh, classes that you can take locally at, you know, a community college is usually a lot cheaper, see which ones transfer over to your local four-year university, and and take those as interim classes. I'm just going to take two classes right now, not necessarily in a degree program, knowing that I'd like to transfer to the four-year college once I get everything over. But if you're going to do something like that, you need to check with the four-year college, right? You need to be thinking ahead because that's on your goal list and find out which classes actually do transfer. You don't want to take a bunch of classes, waste your money and your time studying a bunch of stuff that's not going to transfer over into that degree. And you have to be reasonable. You have to look at your talents and your opportunities and figure out what works for you and what you're willing to, what gaps you're willing to close in order to get there. So me, personally, I I ran and I played basketball and I ran in high school and I was okay at both. I ran the 400 in track and I my best time ever was about a 64, which is not fast. But it, it, I mean, it's not slow, but it's not fast. If I had decided that I wanted to be an Olympic runner, I could have given every bit of my time to that. I could have forgotten everything else, quit playing basketball, just focus on that. And I never, ever would have been an Olympic runner. Never. I might have gotten fast enough to be a college runner, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Maybe not super fast college runner, but maybe. But I never would have been. So you have to understand what your limitations are. But if there are gaps, say you are an athlete and you want to be you play a bunch of sports, but you've decided you want to go all the way in tennis but you don't have access to a tennis court or to a tennis racket. So it's not completely reasonable right now to decide that you wanna be a tennis player. Now, if you choose to find ways to get access to those things, then absolutely that's within your grasp and you can pursue that. But it's not necessarily the system's problem if you don't become a tennis player, if you don't find ways to to close those gaps because it it is our responsibility. The system is not perfect. And I think together, if we keep trying to fix it, it will get better. But if you find a systems problem and you don't try to close the gap, then it's not the system's fault that you didn't try to close the gap. There are some gaps that we are not going to be able to close, and we know that. I think there's some, or at least that we can't necessarily do them at our own level, and you need help with those. And I, I'm not saying that if you don't succeed, it is the system's problem because you didn't try hard enough. That is not what I'm saying. But I am saying say you wanted to get into college that requires a foreign language class. You know that. You know that that's the requirement, but your school doesn't have foreign languages. Is it a systems problem that your school doesn't have foreign languages? Yes, it is. There are school disparities that we need to fix. Public education should be worthwhile for everyone in our country. But if you know that going in and you don't check out with your local community college to see their foreign language classes, there are some YMCAs or local other programs that have foreign language classes. If you don't talk to the school to find out if they'll accept accreditation from some of these other things if it's not through your school. If you don't investigate those things, it's not the system's fault that you didn't choose To try to find ways around those now ultimately if they say nope it has to be in your high school and that's the way it is and too bad for you well honestly i don't know if you want to go to a school that behaves that way that doesn't actually try to work with the students i I would probably not want to go there but that is a system's problem we have to understand that there's a balance between what we can accomplish and what the system sets up for us and then how we have to navigate that and you have to kind of balance that as you go and then once you've come up with which one do you want to pursue and how you want to do that you need to sit down and make a plan. And we're going to talk about that. So when you make a plan, you you choose the goal, you put it on a timeline, and you go forward and you figure out what you need to do to accomplish it. And part of that is also figuring out what the obstacles are and how you're going to get around them. So we'll talk some more about that. So how do we decide what that looks like when we're talking about our goals? Well, Drucker back in 1955 coined the term SMART goals, which is specific, measurable, achievable, relevant and time-bound. And so specific is pretty straightforward. You wouldn't say I want to get my education because that's more of a dream than a goal. You would say I want to get my associate's degree. I want to get my bachelor's degree. I want to get my master's degree. Those are very specific goals. Measurable is it actually has some sort of reflection of the goal. So in the case of a degree, right, that's the degree. So you, you get to see that. But say it's something like I want to learn to speak Spanish. Well, you could say, I want to learn to speak Spanish so that I can have a conversation with a native speaker and not have to revert to English. Okay, well, that's much more measurable. it's more than just saying I want to speak Spanish now you want to talk about achievable and so achievable is one we we're talking a little bit about how reasonable it is and talents and opportunities but you also have to look at your own personal constraints so how long does it take to get there and are you willing to do that you know to become an orthopedic surgeon it's four years of college four years of medical school five years of residency and then an additional two years uh, before you can become board certified while you may be capable of doing that if you're not willing to train for 15 years to do something it's not really an achievable goal for you because you cannot do that goal if you don't do that. Also, you need to look at your own your background if you've ever had issues with the law. There are some industries and some areas where you cannot proceed uh, with issues with the law. And it, it that's variable, but there are some certifications that if you have certain degrees, a lot of things if you have a felony in your background, A lot of industries lock you out of that, and I think there are a lot of people that would like to change that because once you've paid your debt to society, we'd like people to be able to continue to contribute. But that's not where we are in a lot of places right now, so you need to be aware of that. Additionally, if you have crimes that fall under what we'd call moral turpitude or integrity violations or sex crimes, domestic abuse, a lot of those things, it's very difficult to get a certification or licensure. Uh, You can have difficulty with security clearance or with carrying a weapon. And so you need to know if you have your heart set on industries, you should look at that if this is something in your background. If this isn't in your background, then you don't need to worry about that. Please stay out of trouble and don't do that stuff because it's just one more thing to worry about. But if you have had those things, you need to be aware of that. Additionally, although there are a lot of industries that will still hire you, will still certify you, will still give you licensure, you may have to relive it every time. So if this is something you're looking to put in your past, uh, some of them don't have a statute of limitations and you always have to talk about it. And that can be difficult for people, especially if you're trying to open a new chapter in your life. I definitely don't think you should not pursue your dream just because you have to talk about this split in your past, but at the same time, be aware that that could be an issue and there are some areas where that's a problem. Additionally, your credit matters. And so if you've had issues with your credit, try to clean that up, work with resources to get that in good place, because credit is part of a background check in many cases. And in the military, you cannot get a security clearance if you don't have good credit. So you need to look at kind of your whole person. When you go into some of these jobs, they look at the whole person. So you need to be aware of what you're dealing with. Next, we have to look at if it's relevant so relevant is one of those things that I think is relative to you and to your life and what you want to achieve in life in general not just with particular goals on the way to becoming an orthopedic surgeon I was a firefighter there are a lot of people with that would think that that is not relevant however I learned to be the only female on a crew I learned to use power tools I learned I did shift work I got an anti certification, so I was taking care of patients in the field and, and learning to use emergency skills. All of those things actually were completely relevant to what I did. And prior to that, I was in hospitality. And taking care of people, bartending and waiting, both serving people and cleaning up after them is incredibly relevant to both medicine and honestly firefighting because we cleaned up as much as we, as we broke stuff. But all of those things actually do tie in. Now, what if I had become a lawyer after being a firefighter? Again, dealing with people, being on a team, it's up to you to choose which things are relevant to your follow on goal and how you cultivate those skills. But you know, in the fire department, I knew that, I, that medicine might be in my future, that I, I hadn't completely given up that dream. So I really paid attention to the medical stuff. I really tried to learn that stuff. I really tried to take the lead when I had the opportunity. So, so I tried to cultivate those skills in addition to what the job kind of put in mind. So you can absolutely do that if that's something you wanna do. Additional, like I said before, Associates degrees often can roll into bachelor's degrees. So choose an associate's degree that, that helps you get to your, your bachelor's degree. There are a lot of people that choose to do that so they can continue to build and some, you know, in, in medicine there's a lot of places where you can do that and start working while you're proceeding onto your next degree. And so you can take shifts and support yourself. So that can can be you need to look at the different aspects to your interim rules and see how they can feed in. Now, it might be something completely different. Maybe it's you want to go teach for America for a year and it has nothing to do with coming back and trying to be a corporate banker. But if that's what you want to do and it's important, it's part of forming who you want to be and how you want to contribute to society, then good on you. You should do it. So it's not just an a plus b equals c kind of equation. It has to do with who you are and what you want to accomplish in your life. And then the final thing is time bound. You need to look at how long you want to take to do this job and and be fair to yourself, but also be, I like to be a little bit aggressive. I like to try to push it just a tiny bit so that if I, I push hard and I have to step back, then it's not that big of a deal. That may not work for you if you're someone who is really sensitive to to setbacks and failure maybe you want to put in a little bit of extra time like i am i'm a little bit more high speed low drag in my mind and so i like to push really hard forward and so i like to front load it but if you're if that's not your style then you should not do that say you want to do an associates degree which usually is four semesters is 2 years but you have a job and you have a kid and you're you're taking care of your life and you're taking care of your mom on the weekends and you got all the stuff going on Well, maybe you say, okay, I want to do my associate's degree, but I don't think it's reasonable for me to finish it two years. I'm going to do it in six semesters. I'm going to spread out my classes, and each summer I'll make sure I have to take at least one class each summer, and I'll keep it rolling, and and then I'll finish it that's a great goal. If it works for you to get you where you're going, just keep putting one foot in front of the other, just stay enrolled, keep pushing forward. That will, even if you have a setback and even if you have to start over a little bit, it will still keep you moving in the right direction. So then we have to get into following through. And so you create a timeline and that turns into an action plan. You have to figure out, what your ultimate goal is, how long you want to take to get there, and then look at each thing in between and figure out how you how you have to coordinate it in between to make sure it gets there. And so setting yourself reminders is really important and using accountability. So accountability is one that people can do in a lot of different ways. So I like to do it with personal reminders. Uh, you can Use people in your in your family to help you. If you're gonna use your spouse, just make sure you're comfortable taking that feedback from them. Um, so whether your goal is weight loss or finishing school, it can be really, really helpful if someone in your house sees what you're doing and says, hey, are you sure you're on track? But at the same time, it's also a reminder from the person you love more than anything, who's supposed to be your teammate, that you are having trouble you know, moving forward on your goals, and that can be very painful. So, and it can hurt your relationship. So you need to sit down and talk about what, if you want to use someone in your family or, or a friend, to do that, you need to talk about ground rules. You need to spend a little bit of time figuring out how you want them to remind you and, and what the rules are and, and kind of, what your red lines are. If you need to react and say, okay, hold on. I heard your message. Now lay off. You know, they need to respect that. So you, so how you set up your accountability is up to you. I really like reminders. I use email and I use a, I, I like paper. So I use a personal, uh, written calendar and I'll just go forward and, and go three months. And I for me personally, when I do shorter-term goals, I kind of set reminders or status checks at the halfway point of whatever it is. So whether it's a month or three months, I like to put a halfway point to say, "Hey, are we on track? Are we doing what we need to?" But you can look and see what that is for you. If you're if it's a school goal, it might be you might not be. Obviously, you're not going to look at the three, six, nine. 12 month, 5, 10, 20 years. You're not gonna necessarily do that for a school goal, but maybe it's event-based. Maybe you have projects that you have to do or you have semester or you know halfway through the semester. Whatever it is, you're gonna to have to kind of look at what your goals are and define what that looks like for you. But most people do create their long-term goals at the three, six, and 12-month interim short, that's a short-term look, and then the 5, 10, and 20-year long-term look. And those are good things to kind of think about. You don't necessarily have to do it that way, but it's a good thing to think about. And so you're going to have setbacks. You need to define which parts of the setbacks, how you're going to approach that and what you're going to do with that. Sometimes a setback is just life. It's just hard. And so... Anything worth having is worth working for. So sometimes you're just gonna have to deal with it. Sometimes a setback may be directing you to kind of reevaluate and decide if you wanna go in a different different direction. The best way to look at that, in my opinion, is when you set back, if the thing that you're looking at, if you, when you look at your long-term goal, your ultimate goal, if you still wanna do that, then it's just a setback. But if whatever happens makes you think, you know what? I don't think I wanna go in that direction anymore you know say you did you just did a rotation of patient care following a physical therapist because you want to go to physical therapy school so you're working with a, p- a physical therapy assistant following them around and you just finished a rotation and you're like wow I did not like anything about that that was not fun I did not enjoy it well you need to look at a couple of things did you not like the people did you not like the people you are working with because although that's a reflection of the of the field in general the you know any given clinic could be a reflection of the field it is just a group of people so You may go somewhere else and they might be completely different. But if you didn't like taking care of the patient, if you didn't enjoy the actual activities you were doing, it might not be a good fit for you. So you might need to go in a different direction. Maybe you liked taking care of people, but you didn't like doing the physical therapy. Maybe a different area of medicine. Maybe a different area of Service is the right fit for you So you need to look at what you didn't like and or why you feel like it was a setback and What you did like about it and then look at your long-term goal and see if that is still on track for you Another pitfall that people encounter is premature celebration or or kind of sharing the goal early So if I tell you I'm gonna write a novel and you say, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited. You're going to be awesome. And I cannot ra- wait to read it. And we celebrate and we're excited. My brain gets the same endorphin rush that it would get if I actually finished the novel. And so when I go back, I'm actually less likely to finish the novel because I already got the rush. I already feel like I accomplished it. And so if you get a good idea and, and you're excited about something and you post it on your Insta and you, you're you on Facebook or you, you're Snapchatting it or whatever, whatever it is you like to do, however you like to share your news, you do that. And everyone's like, awesome. And you get a you know, 150 likes the first day and you're like, "Yay, I'm awesome. You're actually less likely to accomplish that goal. So it's good to share it with somebody. And again, we talked about accountability. It's good to have someone in your life that knows that you're trying to accomplish that and can help keep you on, on track. But you don't want to share it widely because it can absolutely sidetrack you and derail your motivation because your brain is like, wow, I already got the, the joy off of that. So I don't need to do that anymore. Another part of the setbacks as well is can be the financial aspect of things. Applying to some of these industries, applying for schools, just licensure, all of those things can be really, really expensive. It can be really difficult and it can be daunting to think, oh my gosh, I have to go through all of this and I have to pay for all of these things. Number one, there are scholarships and programs out there. So you should absolutely uh, investigate what's out there for you and how you can do that. But number two, it's amazing what you accomplish if you just decide you're going to. There are, there are ways around it. Like I said, community colleges tend to be less expensive, and there's a lot of stuff that transfers over depending on the college. I will tell you, how, as someone with an Ivy League education and state school educations, education is what you make of it. There's reasons that schools have great reputations, and a lot of it has to do with research funding and, and their endowments. But when you talk about going to class and getting something out of it, it is really up to you. I saw the books that my, when I was in an Ivy League school, I had friends in state school studying the same classes. We were using the same books. Our assignments were different. Uh, I mean, there, there was something to be said for some aspects of that, but really it came down to how much you care about what you're learning and what you want to do. So get an education however you can. It's wonderful if you can get into the school of your choice and go there. That's awesome. And I wish you the absolute best. But if you have to just get there and, and learn, just go get there and learn and don't, don't stress about the name on the diploma, get it done. Because as you get stronger, as you learn more, you will actually increase your options and you will increase your abilities to get those. And so if you can get into a a master's program, if you can get into a doctoral program, if you can get in with an internship with with a good company, all of those things do happen. There's no denying that the pedigree can affect opening some of those doors. But I've also seen that if you are good, that opens doors too. So you can do that. And sometimes when you look at how you're gonna approach this, it can be it can be a little bit of a detour that actually brings you back. Like I said, I got done with college and I had this grand plan. I was gonna go work for the CDC. I was totally burnt out after working two jobs in college. Because it kicked my butt, and so I was gonna go work for the CDC. I was gonna make my application super strong for medical school because I had not gotten in the first time I applied. I only applied to one school, and I couldn't have, I couldn't afford to go to the interview, so I did not get in. And so I was like, I'm gonna go do research with the CDC. It's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna live in Atlanta, cause go Atlanta. And I ran out of money, so I went back home to Texas and lived with my mom for a couple months, which was painful for both of us, but but we've survived and. Got a job, which was also painful because there's no jobs left when you come back home in the summer, in the middle of the summer and all the jobs are taken. But found a job and I went back to waiting tables because that's what I was good at and that's what I'd been doing forever and that's a good way to make money. So I did that and ended up, it was suggested to me that I think about joining the fire department. And I had thought about police because my father was a police officer and my grandfather was a firefighter and gave it some thought and I thought, okay, firefighting, that seems kind of weird, but let's step back. Firefighting is exciting, it's fun. It's different every day, so those are really cool things for a job. But also, I'm going to take care of patients as an EMT. I'm going to be on a shift, which is a lot of medicine is on shift work. I'm going to get used to waking up in the middle of the night to respond to things and have to be able to function and think, and which is exactly what happens when you're on call. I'm going to be on a team because firefighting is a team sport, and absolutely medicine is. Everyone on the medical team has a role that is super important, and you cannot function without all of them. So got to practice that. Got to practice being part of a team where... I wasn't in charge because in a lot of situations prior to that, I had been more or less in charge. So I was like, this is actually a pretty good idea. Let me do this. So I did this. And then once I got there, I found the job was even better because firefighting is about 2% female, but orthopedics is 9% female. So I quadrupled the number of women I had to work with. So that was awesome. But I also had to deal with some of those things of being the only woman on the crew of the, the human resources challenges that go along with that and I, I learned to navigate those in a much less structured environment than the hospital so i was much more prepared for what for circumstances that happened inside the hospital and i learned to use power tools and that's one that i didn't anticipate but you know in orthopedics we use a ton of power tools i mean i every, almost every time i go to the operating room i use a drill during that day because that's what we do we are basically biological carpenters so i learned all those things and i learned to be very comfortable with them and i learned to use them under pressure and I found that when I went to my residency interview at one school, you sit down and there's a drill in like eight pieces and a piece of PVC pipe with two two little dots drawn on it, oblique on either side of the PVC. And you have to put the drill together and then drill through the PVC pipe, connecting the two oblique holes while someone asks you really hard anatomy questions. And... I was able to do that. I know that I didn't actually hit both things. I I missed the the second dot, but I was close. But I had been in fire situations where I had to respond quickly, where I had to be able to get the tools running and and do things. I had had stood on top of a building cutting holes to vent a fire while flames shoot 20 feet up in the air and look down a five-story building and keep my cool and behave that way. I had learned to do that firefighting. All of that translated directly into being calmer, being able to handle emergencies, being able to respond in the, in the hospital, being able to put up with some of the human resources, things that you can deal with. All of those things went together. I never would have guessed that. So when you look at, if you decide to, to take a detour, it's what you choose to make of it and how you choose to make it fit because it's all about your life. It's your life. It's your experiences. So whatever you choose to create and what you want to look, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to look back and think, I was here. This is what you want your kids to remember. This is what you want your friends to remember about you. What does that look like to you? Because all of that goes together and how you frame that is totally up to you and how you define that. But I will say that sounds kind of touchy-feely, whatever, you do need to sit down and make a plan because it doesn't happen accidentally. Can you accomplish things if you don't have a plan? Absolutely you can. But you'll have a lot of wasted effort, a lot of time and energy and potentially money that you spend on things that do not get you to the goals that really matter to you. And we only have so much time on this earth. So for me, I would like to campaign for the 30-hour day. Like I want to cram everything I can into it. But how you approach that is completely up to you. So when we look at get setting and achieving goals, it's important because we have to do it if we want to get where we want to be. And if you want to just chill and float through life, that's awesome. That, that doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for everybody. I'm very goal-oriented, as, as you may have guessed. So I have to do this. Now, if you don't have to do this, I'm honestly I'm a little bit jealous because, <laughs> because I could not go through my life without having a plan. Now my plans change all the time, but I have to have a plan. And and yours should change. So you should visit this every six months, you know, at least at least every six months. Probably not a whole lot more often than that. If you're trying to look at it every every week, it's just gonna stress you out because you're gonna be like, I'm not there yet. Well you're not supposed to be because it's a three-month goal or a six-month goal. So but look at it a couple of times a year. And if it changes, that's okay. It's okay if it changes because that means that you're growing and, and you're taking in more information, you're learning more about things. But if you're gonna change your long-term goal, if you're gonna change the pie in the sky, like your dream, you need to give that some real thought. Was it was it a really solid dream before and you're just and now things have changed, or was it not that solid? And so as you've gotten more information, so you need to look at that. What we need to do is align our purpose, we need to define our plan, we need to maintain accountability and we need to recover setbacks, and then we need to be totally ready to reevaluate and redefine who we want to be, what we want to accomplish, and what we're willing to do to get there. So this week, I'd like you to sit down and practice the skill to incorporate it into your daily life. You're gonna write down everything you might want, possibly want to achieve in life. Professionally, personally, education, family, church, any goals that are important to you, write them down, brainstorm those. From there, you're gonna number the top 10 goals in order of importance across the board. Now, you could divide that up into different ones or it could be nine of them are, fall under one category. That's okay. It's, it's however it, it matters to you. But then you need to cross out the bottom 10 goals. And if you're young, if you're just starting out, it's the first time you've ever done something like this, don't scribble them out so you can't read them. Just cross them out a single line because that might change. But you're crossing them out because you need to understand that those are not things that you should spend your time on. Those are not areas that you should, where your energy should go because they are not important enough to you to be in that top 10. And then once you, once you have that, you want to circle your number one, with, or, or figure out, especially if you have different categories, figure out which is your number one overarching, this is the one, and then circle all of the things in your top 10 that actually contribute to that first goal. Because a lot of them will, a lot of things will directly or in- indirectly help keep you on track to whatever your overarching goal is. And then you want to create a timeline. So if you put on the left is today, and on the far right is when you achieve that goal, whatever that might be. And that actually might get more fidelity. Like, so when I finished residency, you know, at, at, for a long time, finishing residency was that goal. But then once you get there, just being in North Picture doesn't help a lot. Like, you kind of have to have a practice and all that kind of stuff. So you'll have to redefine how that works for you and what that looks like. But then in between, you take those other, all those things that you circled that contribute to how to get there, and you want to put them on your timeline to figure out are you doing them one after another? some of them overlapping that you're doing them at the same time like what does that look like and when do you need to get started this is really helpful especially if you're looking at school or internships or anything like that that's structured because you need to look at things like their application timeline you need to look at prerequisites because say you you want to apply for medical school well medical school requires certain classes even if you have a degree in biology you need to make sure you have certain classes taken well if you haven't taken them if you didn't need them to get your degree and you're missing some well you need to build that in. You know, if you need to take a summer class, you need to find out if this particular school, you know, which schools will take an, the fact that you're in the classes in process, or if you have to have a posted degree. So you need to look at all of those things. And, and some of these things, especially professional schools and standardized testing, you may have to register way in advance in order to do that. So you need to sit down and create that timeline so you know, even if you want to do something next year, it's possible your application is due in two months. Well, you need to know that, right? You don't want to miss And so if you don't, say you have missed it. You plan to do this, but you just found out the application window just closed for next year. So now you have a whole year to kill. Okay, well, let's look at that. What can you do in this year to make your application absolutely outstanding? Can you volunteer? Can you be part of an organization? Can you be part of activism? What can you do to serve your community? How can you make yourself a better person, a better citizen of the world? Those things will actually in many cases help you to be a better applicant a better candidate so find ways to make yourself distinguished and if you have if your background is completely different from everyone in the in the area that you're looking to get into in the industry really celebrate that be proud of that it can be really hard and that's easy for me to say now right because i was there but that's it was really hard like going to a school in connecticut being from texas people treated me like I was ignorant. I mean, people literally thought I rode a horse to school. I'm like, are you serious? I'm from the ninth largest city in the country. Like, (laughs) why don't you know? My city is four times the size of yours. So people have these ideas. It, It can be difficult, but you should be proud of that because those, all of those things about us, the things that make us different, make us special, make us unique and bring They don't just bring cultural diversity, which is really important, but they bring cognitive diversity. They bring different ways of thinking, different ways of approaching problems. And that makes you a better problem solver. It makes you an asset to the team when you can solve problems in a different way. So once you've done all that, now I want you to sit down and look at what are the five obstacles that you see to achieving your number one goal. And maybe it's more than five, but write down what are the main obstacles. And you need to be specific here. You don't write down money. If it's, if it's application fees, write down application fees. How much are they? A thousand bucks? That's a lot. Okay, just write that down. Have that set up. Is it a particular class that you need to take that's not available? Like I said earlier, it's, it's a foreign language, but your, your high school doesn't doesn't have a foreign language. Look at what those are and figure out what they are. And then if you have someone that you're close with, it'd be great. If not, tell yourself, but sit down and think about, okay, what are some ways you could get around them? What are your options? What's out there? The internet, there's a ton of stuff on the internet now. There's there's not a whole lot you can't learn on the internet. And so there are ways to get around a lot of this stuff. But sit down and think about, critically think about what could you do to get through this? And then you have to decide, are the, is what you have to do worth it to get there? And if it is, then it's worth pursuing. It If the strategy for developing goals made sense to you, please give it a like or subscribe. If this doesn't work for you or if you have ideas that can help others choose their direction, please drop a comment with your thoughts. Next time we'll cover communication skills. How we communicate is the foundation to all of our interactions and affects how we achieve success. Communication has so many components, verbal, nonverbal written through professional and personal means. So we'll go through some techniques to improve how you interact so that your message is heard. Don't forget to brainstorm and develop your goals and head over to www.levelthepursuit.com to share the great things you're gonna accomplish. There are a couple of templates in the member section to get you started. They're from the website, there are Word documents, but there are a ton out there on, uh, if you just Google templates for goal setting. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Thanks again for joining Level the Pursuit. Well, we can't choose where we start, We can choose our dreams and how we pursue them. Remember, success is a team sport and there's room for all of us to achieve our goals. So be a good leader, be a good follower, and do something great.